Well, can the church say praise the Lord? Amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome to church in the balcony. And uh, we had a great trip to Charleston, West Virginia. Appreciate Brother Keith and Brother Dwayne and Brother Caleb uh, stepping up and taking care of the services and all that had to be taken care of and all that had to do with the hot chocolate. That was a great uh, success and going to do it again this Sunday. And uh, that way no milk gets thrown out. Amen. And uh, so going to have another hot chocolate Sunday after service. So keep that in mind. And uh, we got to see three people get baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus while we was at Brother Chester's. He, uh, he works out at a gym, and he was witnessing to one of the men there at the gym and uh, told him he needed to get baptized in Jesus' name. And so he showed up on uh, Saturday night to get baptized. His name's Brother Bob. And uh, I told them down there, I don't go to the gym. I just have a brother named Jim. And uh, I should have said I got a brother named Jim at Tens Church here. Uh, but um, uh, then on, on uh, Sunday, we had our service. And uh, there was two more that wanted to get baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus. So the Lord is so good. I believe revival is getting ready to hit with Brother Chester. I believe that that church that it's been through, uh, the airport fell in on it. Uh, you know, it was wiped out that way. There was all sorts of stuff. They had to go from place to place, from Coonskin uh, Resort to other places to hold service. And now they're in their new, they, re, they renovated their gymnasium. And it is a beautiful, beautiful sanctuary. And uh, so now they have a permanent place to worship the Lord. And they are in a recovery, uh, addiction recovery program for a lot of people in that area. And they are seeing great results uh, just from their Tuesday night uh, recovery program. And that's where uh, two of these came from that got baptized was through the recovery. So um, we're excited about what the Lord is doing. The house was full on Saturday and then Sunday. Uh, it was not as full as Saturday, but it was still full. And uh, I'm glad that uh, the Lord is having revival all across this nation. Amen. I believe the Lord's getting ready to do something big because he's going to come back soon. And if you're not paying attention to our world stage, you better start now. Because we're living in a world that is right now on the brink of something disastrous happening. And many people says it's going to happen right here on American soil very soon. And uh, three of our service people have been killed. No, no response yet. No response yet. Uh, I, I remember a time back in the day... If somebody had killed Americans, they'd been a response within the first hour. I don't know what our world's coming to, but I do know it's coming to an end. And I believe that we better be serious about the Lord, and I believe we better start serving Him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. I don't want to be caught in a cold condition. I don't want to be called in a, in a lukewarm condition because the Bible says if you're lukewarm, he's going to spew you out of his mouth. So we better be hot or cold, right? 
We better be hot or cold. So uh, we want to uh, mention, as we said, uh, we have uh, coming up uh, this Sunday, our hot chocolate Sunday, and that will be after church. There's going to be some sugar-free choices available after Sunday school, so keep that in mind, and a free hot chocolate bomb for everyone to take home. And uh, also, we have our Section 3 rally that is coming up Friday, February the 2nd, 7.30 p.m., Grayson United Pentecostal Church, Grayson, Kentucky. Uh, Brother Caleb will be taking the van uh, for those of you that want to go, and uh, we would encourage all of our young people to go. I would encourage all of our young adults, go. I would encourage everybody, go. You never know what you're going to hear at one of these meetings. Uh, the preaching is not just for children. If you, if you got the mindset it's a, ch it's a children's uh, church or something, you're mistaken. It's not a children's church. It is a church for all people, and you need to show up. That Section 3 rally this Friday, February the 2nd, 7.30 p.m., uh, Grayson, Kentucky. Also, coming up, we do have KYC that is just around the corner, a couple weeks away. Northeast Christian Church in Lexington, this is the last get-go. So if you're not on the list, if you're not signed up and your name is not uh, in uh, either uh, Brother Caleb's possession, uh, then uh, you'll have to make arrangements on your own because we can't make arrangements after uh, tonight. And this is uh, something that we, we pushed it to the very limit of trying to wait for the last moment to get everything together. And uh, so uh, tonight is the night. So if you plan on going, uh, you get your name on the list. Uh, we need to know how many hotel rooms. We may not be staying near where everybody else is staying because we waited so late to get the hotel rooms. We do this stuff six to eight weeks out. And that's why we do this is because we want everybody to know ahead of time that if you're going to go, put your name on so we can get things uh, together because those things fill up fast. And uh, that will be Friday and Saturday, February the 16th and 17th. Brother Josh Carson is going to be the speaker. And I guarantee one thing, it's not just up to 18-year-olds. It's not just up to 30-year-olds. That's going to be a man that's going to minister to everybody in the house. So you want to be a part of that. Also, let's remember the men's uh, meeting coming up this coming Monday, February the 5th, 6 p.m. We'll be gathered here with the men of the church. And I have uh, received our uh, little booklets that we talked about doing Bible studies. And I've already got those in. So we'll be passing those out by 10s and 20s and uh, hopefully everybody will start giving some Bible studies and let people know uh, that, you know, uh, this is something that uh, we all can do. Uh, you, you can invite your neighbor over for coffee and have a Bible study. You can invite uh, uh, maybe a school kid home with your child and have a Bible study. So with that said... Uh, that is something that is available, and we have those, and when we run out, if you want more, we can get more of those. Also, we want to make mention of our prayer requests. Uh, we will just mention about the last uh, four or five of these. Let's remember uh, Betty McClanahan, Mark Smith, Selena Bryant, Kenya Bryant. Let's remember uh, the Kathleen Tackett family. Her funeral was today. 
and uh, thank and appreciate uh, all who came to be a part with that family. Uh, of course, uh, we preached on, um, on uh, let's see, what is night? Yeah, so Tuesday night, last night, seems like forever and a day. Uh, so I preached uh, Tuesday night. I appreciate all who was there, all the singers and all the uh, music department. And uh, I took my bass, and, and it didn't want to cooperate. So uh, Brother Keith had to play on a, on a piano that, uh, going back in old school. And uh, so we, uh, we appreciate all of you. Those of you that didn't make it, I would like to just make a reminder. If you are on the praise team and sing, you are supposed to be at all these funerals that we're in. This is not a suggestion. This is something unless you're out of town or, or on your deathbed. And if you can wheel the IV pole in, come on. So we do have a, um, a, I guess that's the last of the announcements. So uh, with that said, Brother Caleb is um, uh, going to be driving the van. So if you want to go Friday night, you have to get with Brother Caleb. Don't call me. Don't ask me when it's leaving. I don't know. Talk to him, right? Brother Caleb, if they don't know who you are, raise your hand. Wave at them. <laughs> now, everybody knows who Brother Caleb is. So, um, with that and also with KYC, we want all of you to uh, go that wants to go. And uh, I, I had uh, some people come up to me uh, that has been in the past gone with us. And uh, they said they've been trying to get some people at this church to go. And they won't go. So, uh, you know, if people outside the church want to go and people inside the church don't want to go, maybe we'll just switch it around and just say it's open to everybody in the public and nobody in the church can go. <laughs> I don't think that'd work out too good, but nevertheless, uh, I did have that approach to me. So uh, if you have been part of this in the past, be a part of it this time. Uh, don't just do it when it's popular. Don't just do it when we have uh, you know, 30 youth, don't just do it when we have things swinging our way. Let's go and be a support to all that will be there. Amen. Well, with that said and done, how many is glad to be in the house of the Lord? How many is glad that Jesus Christ is your Savior? Can somebody shout hallelujah? hallelujah. You know what hallelujah means? Praise ye the Lord. I believe the Lord is worthy of all praise tonight, and I've come to lift up that name. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given us to gather together in your precious name. I pray, Lord, that you would guide us and direct us and help us, Lord, that as we go through this service tonight, that only one thing is on our mind, that we're going to receive from your word, but most of all, we're going to praise you. We're going to Lift up your name because you are worthy. The devil is a liar and Lord you are God and still on the throne. And Lord I pray that you would move in a mighty way. That you would get the glory and the honor here tonight. As the singers sing, musicians play. And as
as uh, five minutes with Timothy goes forth that you would get the honor and it's all in the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Why do you say let's have a little five minutes with Timothy? Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. Let's give him some praise in this place tonight, church. He is the reason we're here, isn't he? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Someone's glad to be in the house. Would you say amen? Amen. Amen. I'm glad to know that you're happy to be here. Amen. Love what I feel in this place. I do. I love what I feel in this place. Sunday, we had a phenomenal service. Monday morning, I woke up. I didn't feel anything. Do you know that? I woke up, didn't feel anything. I was asking the Lord, what's going on? Am I just sick? Am I physically ill? I didn't feel anything. So I did what I knew to do, trusted in the Lord. I prayed. I dealt with it the only way that I knew I would get results, trusted in the Lord. Tuesday, I get to a funeral where people expect there to be death, and I felt life. I felt resurrection power in a place where death is expected. Why? Because in the moments when I felt nothing, I trusted in the Lord. I put my faith in the Lord. Some, someone here is expecting death in their situation, but I'm here to tell you, trust in the Lord. Because he is the resurrection. He is the way. He is the truth and the life. Amen. Glory. Tonight I want to go directly into the word of the Lord. We find ourselves at Luke 9, verse 23. Luke 9, verse 23. And if you're flipping there, as you're flipping there, I pray that you would be in prayer for me in my job situation. My flesh would like to get frustrated with the, with the situation of, everything that goes on, but I can't help but acknowledge the witness in the ministry field that I am placed in. The Lord has not allowed me to leave there. I've tried, but the Lord has kept me there, and I am starting to see why. There are so many people that if I was just living a cardinal life, I would not realize how hungry they are for something. I was able to, I was doing a personality quiz with one of my clients today, And I got to one question, and it said, I love my life. And it could either respond accurate, inaccurate, or in the middle. And he said, I'm in the middle. I said, you know what the Bible says about the ones that love their life? For he that loves his life shall lose it. But the one that hates his life, he's going to have eternal reward. He's going to be blessed by the Lord. That is what I put in my faith in. I don't love my life here on this earth. I love the opportunities I have on this earth to be able to spend time in his presence and tell people about the Lord, tell people about the gospel, the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection. That's what I'm placed here for. That's what the Lord looked at me in a miry clay pit and pulled me out of for. Not that I could come to a pew and be satisfied, Not that I could come out of this world and sit on a pew and never uh, share the good news. But yet, that's what a lot of us do. Tonight, I want to go to the word of the Lord, Luke 9, 23. And it says, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Someone say daily. Daily. And follow me. Follow me. Me. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Lord, we come before your presence because we have a desire. We have a desire to follow after you, God, to draw closer to your spirit, draw closer to your heart, Lord. Begin to pull us close. Lord, we want to be like your disciples, those that desire to lay their head on your bosom. We want to be close to the heart of Jesus. And let us do that in this very moment. And the church said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Whenever I was trying to decide, I was praying and I was wondering, what it was I needed to bring forth tonight, I heard the simple word, driven. I heard the word driven. I was thinking, what does that mean? What am I supposed to say about being driven? The Lord began to flood my mind that his children are supposed to be driven with motivation, with desire, with hunger. With, with, a, with a strong desire that burns within, that is only quenched by the living waters which comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to, we're supposed to be driven, no matter the load that we are carrying. I, I was telling my wife on the way over here, I said, I feel like it took almost a full hour this time to get over here. And I was trying to figure out what it was that was slowing us down. And I turned to her and said, it was, that, it was that coal truck that we were behind, wasn't it? She said, yeah, that's, that's most likely what it was. And I began to think on that. The coal truck had to move a little slower because it was carrying a heavy load. But church, it never stopped. No matter the hills that we are having to go up, no matter the turns that we had to go around, it might have slowed down because of the load that it was carrying, but it never stopped because it had a destination it had to get to. I don't care what you're carrying tonight. You've brought it to the right destination. Bring it to the Lord and he shall take it from you. He shall lift that load and you don't have to worry about it anymore. Brother or sister, if you're carrying the load, let us carry it with you. Let us know that you're going through something. I don't need to know the details because God's in the details. He's the one that is going to take care of your situation. He's the great physician. I don't need to know. But what I need to know is that whenever we, we decide that to come after Jesus, because it says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. We need to recognize tonight that our flesh opposes the will of God. So whenever we want to go after him, we need to deny some things, starting with ourselves, and take up his cross daily and follow after him. Follow after the example that he was, showing kindness, showing mercy. I saw this young lady that I grew up seeing at camps, same age, in fact, same birthday. I saw her on Facebook, not living the apostolic lifestyle that she was raised in, but yet still uh, preaching and still telling people about the goodness of God. And my flesh wanted to judge her because I knew what she was raised in. And immediately I was checked. I said, don't judge her. I said, Lord, how can these people that don't live a holy lifestyle, how do you still bless them? I said, because I inhabit the praise of my people. Immediately I heard that. I inhabit the praise of my people. So even whenever they're not living right, he said, I did for you. Immediately checked. God is a merciful God. But do not squander the mercies of God. Recognize them. Acknowledge them. And give him praise for it. 
Hallelujah. Can we do that right now as the praise team comes? Can we come to the front? Can we step away from our comfort zones and begin to give him the glory that he is due? Give him the praise that he is worthy of. How did the blind man know that Jesus was coming? It's because whenever Jesus showed up, people began to praise. Although he couldn't see, he could hear the praise of the people because Jesus showed up on the scene. Let's let the blind of this world know that Jesus is here tonight. Blessed be your name in a land that is plentiful where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes,
Come on, somebody give a mighty hand clap unto the Lord. Come on, we ain't going to drag our feet tonight. We're going to have some church in this house. Come on, the Lord is worthy. If he is your God, if he is your Lord, praise ye the Lord. Come on, somebody lift up your voice. He is worthy of all praise. He is mighty. He is awesome. Oh, he is worthy. Amen, amen. I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, sometimes uh, prayer requests become more mundane than it does important in our lives. But we do want to remember all of those that we have mentioned prayer for. And we also want to continue to pray until we hear something good. And then we want to uh, take up tonight's offering. So we're going to ask our ushers to come at this time. And we're going to take up tonight's offering. If you can give unto the Lord, please do so at this time. Let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you, Lord. You're so good. You're awesome. You're great. Lord, I did not come just to go through this service. I came to give you honor and praise. Lord, I praise you with my voice. I praise you upon the instrument. I praise you, Lord, with offering. I praise you, Lord, with the hand clap. I praise you, Lord, with everything that I can do because I know, Lord, that everything is, is belonging to you, whether it's our voice, whether it's our mind, our hearts, anything that we have belongs to you. Lord, I pray that you would bless the offering tonight, Lord, that you would get glory out of it and that you would bless it and multiply it that it might be used to give you all of the all of the glory and everything we do from missions to helping others in the community whatever it is that we do lord i pray for your blessings upon it for it's in jesus name we pray amen
Hallelujah. All of our youth can go to their respective departments. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. As we look in the word of the Lord. Verse number 1. Acts chapter 18. I like studying in the book of Acts because it is the Acts of the Apostles. If you want to know how the church should act, go to Acts. Right? I won't be long tonight. I promise you that. Good to have Brother Larry back in the house with us. Amen. I'm, I am so glad he is back in the house. And uh, he's still recovering, but he is recovering. And uh, we're all recovering from something, right? We're all recovering from something. Some of us are recovering from, uh, you know, being tired. Some of us are recovering from a hard day's work. Some of us are recovering from being out and about all day. Amen. All right. Acts chapter 18, verse number 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were, and everybody say, tent makers. Tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads, I am clean. I like what he said here because there's some things, it don't matter what you do, people's just going to reject what the word says. But you know what? I can shake my garment. I can wipe my hands and I can say, I'm clean. From henceforth, I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Everybody say, those that believe need to be baptized it's not good enough just to believe you need to get baptized and don't just get baptized anyway get baptized in the name of Jesus amen and we go on to verse number 9 then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision be not afraid but speak and hold not thy peace for I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee for I have much people in this city 
And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And uh, I want to talk to us tonight um, some things that we have assurance of. When I look at Corinth and I begin to see how Corinth was a cosmopolitan city, a center of luxury, it was a city that had uh, beautiful monuments and marble temples and uh, Greek columns and all of many of our own architect comes from that. If you go walking and strolling through Washington, D.C., you will see everything I just mentioned. We find that Corinth emerged as this and we also find that Corinth was not only a place of all that I mentioned, but it was also a place of immorality, of wickedness, indulgence, and luxury. So I can learn something. I can get some assurance from studying Corinth that yes, we have our own Corinths that we face today. We have our own Corinths, that's plural, that we all see in our lives. And I just want to talk to us about assurances from Corinth. Let's pray. Lord, we come before your presence. And Lord, I'm thankful for your word, which is true. I'm thankful for your word, which will stand forever. It's forever settled in heaven. It will not fail. It will not change. It will not be altered. It is there for our learning. It is there to help us to understand that we will find our own Corinth in our day. And we've got to learn not to be wrapped up in the luxury, wrapped up in the immorality, wrapped up in all of the pool of this uh, city called Corinth. And Lord, we know that you are the one that we got to keep our eyes on. We we ask, Lord, that you would help us to do that because you are our Savior, our help, and our hope. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. And you may be seated. The New Living Translation literally talks about these verses in this manner, that Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. And they had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. The Jews have always been persecuted. The Jews have always been persecuted. We find from the very beginning, it was in Egypt when God's people were being persecuted. They were being beaten. They were being made to work in hard labor camps. And uh, we find that it was throughout time, from then until now, the Jewish people are still being persecuted. One of the things that I said opening up that I need to reiterate again we need to be aware of what's happening on a global basis because the world we're living in has a lot of stuff going on right here on the soil of the US the UN is supposed to be United Nations united for a common cause 
and just to find out that 12 or 13 of the UN members were behind some of the attacks on the Jews just in October of last year. We support the UN with all of our tax dollars. We have to be careful because we can become partaker of evil deeds of others simply by getting wrapped up in what they are doing. What sounds good is not always good. What, you've heard the saying, what, what, uh, always, uh, you know, what glitters is not always gold. We understand that not everything that looks good is good. Not everything that is appealing should be appealing. Not everything that is, is uh, you know, luxury is not luxury. We find that Corinth was a cosmopolitan city. It was a city of luxury and indulgence. It, it was a city that was immoral. And it was a city that was wicked. But yet it was a city that had such lure to it. Why would Paul, why would the apostles, why would they go to this place that is immoral? Why would they go to this place that is uh, nothing but indulgence? And indulgence is talking about self-indulgence, taking care of self, uh, making sure that it's all about you, uh, indulgence and all these things. Why would he be called into a place like this? Because where else would you find sinners? God didn't call the righteous to repentance. God didn't call the church to go out and steal church members. God didn't tell us to go out and find the holiest we can find and the de most dedicated we can find and bring them here to Cornerstone. But he said, you go out and you find the sinner. You find the person that's living ungodly. You find the person that's living immoral. You find your Corinth. And you make sure that when you go into Corinth, you are there to help and not join in on the party. I know we're living in a day where it's hard to convince people they need to separate from the world. It's almost a, a smack in the face, a punch in the mouth, knock a few teeth loose when you tell people that in our day. Because people are so wrapped up in their current, they don't want to be told their luxuries are sin. They don't want to be told that their indulgences, indulgences are wrong. They don't want to be told that their immorality is a real thing in their life. In fact, people don't want to be told that they are sinning. They want to look at the beautiful Greek columns. They want to look at the beautiful monuments and the marble temples and all of the magnificence of the city and say, look what we have done. I was walking through the streets of Washington, D.C. a few years back with another preacher friend of mine. And he just looked at me and he said, look around you. And I began to just look and I said, what do you mean? He said, look at all the buildings. And I began to look at all the buildings. And you know what every building represented and looked like? Roman architecture. You need to go to Washington. 
You wouldn't be so high and mighty saying, I need this and to be my, uh, you know, spokesman for me. Uh, you'd be wanting Jesus to be your spokesman because uh, I, I looked around and here's all of these marble columns and all of these architects. It, it's Roman architect. It's Greek architect. And, uh, you know, we should never try to get our lives after the Romans. Because after all, I want you to know something about Rome. Rome's going to rise up again in the last day. The old Roman Empire is going to rise up. It's going to rise up right in the middle of Rome. And all the false religion that is being spewed out from Rome right now is going to be spewed out worldwide. We've got to get it together, church. We've got to get our mind on what the Bible says. I've got to know that there's some Corinths out there, but I can't get wrapped up in it. I've got to try to win those people out of that. Sometimes you just look around and you see that we all have a Corinth that we could look at right here in Phelps, Kentucky. We can name a hollow and say there's a Corinth. It's easy to find all sorts of sin, immorality in every holler, every side road, every back road. We're surrounded by it. I begin to think about how this is something that Paul spent his time preaching the word and testifying to the Jews and trying to convince them that Jesus was the Messiah. We've got to learn that church is not about programs. And church is not about architecture. And church is not about how fancy something is or luxurious something is. But church is trying to tell somebody they need Jesus. This past weekend I sat there and tears would swell up in my eyes as I watched people who have been bound by drugs and immorality and sin and they would stand up and they would say, I've been clean for a month. Or some would say, I've been clean for six months. And some would say, I've been clean for, for ten years. I believe that we got to understand the Lord's not looking for us to go out and find those that are clean. He's looking for us to go out and find those that that have been so wrapped up in the world and sin and ungodliness and filth of this world and tell them they don't have to live like that anymore. All they got to do is come to Jesus. All they got to do is come to Jesus and they can walk out of what they're in. They can lay down what they're doing. If the church ever gets right and starts projecting what the church is, there will be people running to this altar and they'll be wanting to give their life to Jesus. But if we can't get it right, they don't see anything in our life that is right. They're not going to come. They're going to say, I'm just as well off where I am. I want people to be so hungry for the presence of God that they can't stand to drive by on a Wednesday night. 
they got to pull in the parking lot, get out of their vehicle, come and sit on a pew or run straight to the altar. You say that's a high expectations. I don't know how big your God is, but my God owns it all, and he's big enough to take care of it all. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the one that can speak and things happen. I wish I had a little help in the house. My God is a real big God. Historical background, uh, background of Corinth. It was in 46 B.C. that Julius Caesar established a Roman colony at Corinth. It was a mixed group. Anytime you get mixed groups, you got mixed trouble. Now I'm going to help some of us. Because if you think that you can serve Jesus and serve the world... It's a mixed group. You got trouble. Because you're going to have to make a decision sooner or later. Do I go to church or do I stay in the world? Do I go to church or do I attend this event? Do I go to church or do I go here? You have to make those decisions. I'm going to help us because it's something about Corinth that ought to assure us that this world that we're living in has Corinth written all over it. It is a place that it is a mixed, a mixed group of Italians and Greeks. From this humble beginning arose a magnificent city. But also we understand that there was an abundant underwater, underground water supply that resulted in a growing city attracting tradesmen from all over the world. Corinth emerged as this city, the center or a center of luxury. Among its many pagan temples was a temple dedicated to Aphrodite, the goddess of love and war. It was situated on a high hill above the city and attracted multitudes who came to worship the goddess by giving money to the temple prostitutes, both male and female. This is real stuff right here. This is real stuff. Temple prostitutes wasn't just something that happened in our day when the preacher ran off with a piano player. We might as well call it what it is. They're prostituting their faith. They're prostituting themselves. Their prostitution is running wild. And we find that the temple prostitutes... In biblical times, both male and female, the Greeks thought they were so progressive that you didn't need to have church. You just need to come to church to have sex. Crazy stuff. But no more crazy than what's going on in our world today. They would give money to the temple prostitutes, both male and female, in exchange for taking part in all manner of sexual acts. By the time Paul's visit about 50 AD to the city of Corinth, it was a bustling commercial and industrial center boasting a population of some seven, 700,000 people. Not a very big city by some of our city standards, but back then that was a large city. Reeking with religion, 
inundated in idolatry. The danger of our day is when religion and idolatry become mixed. You might be surprised how much idolatry is in churches today. They'll have pictures of Jesus hanging on the wall. Idolatry. They will have things that they bow down to because after all they, they, they understand that there are just certain things that, that is influential and, and it's just something luxurious and, and if you're going to grow and be progressive you've got to kind of turn your eye away from sin every now and then. You know what? When a pastor quits preaching against sin that pastor is useless. When you come to church and your pastor starts preaching on sin and you suck up and saw up, shame on you. You ought to be saying, preach it. No, we don't want to be preached to anymore. We want to be told how good we are. We want to be that little nursery rhyme where the little, little boy sat down and Stuck in his thumb and pulled out a plum and said, Oh, what a good boy am I. That's what our church services have become in a lot of places. Not here. That's why people don't stay very long if that's what they're looking for. That's why people come and they seek and then when they say, Oh, this church is one of them, you know, uh, hellfire preaching, stomping the devil out uh, kind of churches. We, we can't live any way we want to live and go to that church. Well, you can come here and you just can't get on the platform. Reeking with religion and also inundated with idolatry. The Corinthians were both affluent and amoral, both wealthy and wicked. This city to the flesh looks so good. We got to go to that city. That's where it's happening. Don't go to Phelps, go to the city. That's where it's happening. And then we would see this city not only being a hustling, bustling city, but it would also be a city that was affluent. It was a city that had a lot of important people in it. And the worst thing you can do is start trying to connect yourself to important people. I want to connect to Jesus. It was both wealthy and wicked. Isn't it amazing that you can have an island where many of our upper echelon of society was flown to have sex with underage girls and boys and it was acceptable? People didn't think nothing about it. Oh, Jeffrey Epstein, he's influential. He's got millions. Nobody knew where his millions come from because nobody gets up and says, I made 
60 million dollars trafficking children nobody gets up and says I'll take your little Johnny and your little Sally and I'll sell them to some big burly man that wants to rape them I'm just telling us that this city was both wicked and influential and we have that we have Corinthians we have Corinth all over the world today in the US in Pike County in Kentucky in West Virginia yes in Tennessee in Georgia in Florida California in Arizona they are everywhere and if we're not careful as the church, we will be wrapped up in wanting to be influential with the affluent. We want to be with the wealthy. We want to be with that cosmopolitan city, that center of luxury. Oh, no, give me a place where I can find an old-fashioned altar and get down on my knees and get a move of God in my life. Find me a country church that don't know what it's like to be best friends with the multi-millionaires that are involved in sin. Show me a church that's willing to say, I'm going to get a hold of Jesus. I'm going to serve the Lord. I know. Light in a dark place. Of all places, why Corinth? The answer is simple. God loves the sinner. But how many knows that God hates the sin? I think it's interesting how much sin is allowed in the church now. What used to be looked down on now is, well, we don't want to say too much. You know, if I take sin out of every message I preached, I wouldn't have much to preach about. Because I'm not called to tell you how good you are. I'm not called to preach to you and make you smile a little bit, but I'm here to tell you, if you sin, the wages of sin is death. Go ahead and play your games. You're going to hit and split hell wide open. But if you will come out from among the world and be separate and get away from the Corinthians of the day, you're going to have a home in glory. Instead of opposition, Paul saw an opportunity. A great church was to be built amid the chaos of a city steeped in sin. Isn't it amazing that sometimes it's not, it's not the revivals God sends you to. Sometimes he sends the Jonas to Nineveh. Why do you think Jonah said, I, I'm, I'm not going to Nineveh? Why do you think that, that Jonah said, no, no, no. I, I'm not going to go preach to them people. Them wicked people. I hate them and I don't want them to be saved. That's the way a lot of people feel. You, you, got, you got people in your life right now. Don't look at me. You got people in your life right now that you're saying, I sure hope one day they die. think the Holy Ghost don't know your thoughts? <laughs> I think that sometimes we, we forget God knows all things. 
He can read our minds. He can read everything about us. He knows what we're going to think. He knows what we're going to say. He knows what you're thinking right now about me. (laughs) There's something interesting here. It was a city that was in chaos. Had sin running rampant. Remember, Jonah didn't want to go preach to Nineveh. You know why? Because the Lord said, if you go preach to them and just cry yet 40 days, anybody read your Bible? And I'm going to destroy this city. And you know what? The king fasted and put on sackcloth. Now I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to blow your little mind. They run down the roosters. Put sackcloth on the roosters. You've done lost your love of mind, Pastor. No, you'll read your Bible. It's a fascinating book. They got the cattle and they put sackcloth on them and ashes. And they made everything and everybody fast. You know what? God said, hey, if these people are going to run roosters down, if these people are going to run their cows down, and put sackcloth and ashes on them and fast and don't feed their cattle and don't feed their chickens and and don't feed each other and they get serious about repentance I'm just going to spare this city you know what Jonah does? gets mad well praise God I had to go on this ship and these men threw me overboard. I spent three days in the belly of a whale in the depth of the sea and the darkness of night. And, and, and then I got puked up on the, on the seashore and had old whale puke and seaweed all over me. You know how hard it is to get whale puke and seaweed off of you? <laughs> I want to find out. And you're going to spare the city now? After me going through all this for you, God, look what I did. I sacrificed for you. See, the problem is we think we're doing God a favor. I'm going to tell you something. You didn't do God a favor by showing up here tonight. You did not. You know who you did a favor to? Yourself. You did yourself a favor. By showing up tonight. Because it's tonight whatever is preached and taught that's going to get into your spirit. And going to help you to overcome anything that you're faced with. I thought it was interesting that sometimes the people that didn't want to go and do what the Lord said. when, When they finally went and done it. And the Lord changed his mind. And spared. Then the person that shouldn't have got mad. Shouldn't. Jonah said, Woo, praise God, revival broke out in Nineveh. (laughs) Wouldn't that be what we should say? Well, praise God. I went into this wicked place, this holler, this drug infested place, and I went in and I tried to have a Bible study, and 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 praise God, they was two people give their life to the Lord. (sighs) It's a wicked place, though. There's people that talk about Phelps like it is the scum of the earth. But I'm going to tell you something. God's saving people right here. 
God is saving people right here. God is saving your family and getting your kids and your, your spouses and starting to deal with lives right here. This is our Corinth. We find that it was a church so chaotic, so dark, ripped ripped away in, in sin. We find that there's so many things that happened in these dark places that brought light. No wonder it said, talking about men sat in darkness. But all of a sudden, while they're sitting in darkness, there appeared unto them great light. Because people were preaching the truth of God's Word. God's Word is light. It's a lamp, a light. A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I believe that we got to understand something about the Word of God. It will brighten any dark situation. No matter how dark your life gets, how depressed you get, how overwhelmed you feel, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You can feel like your whole world has fell apart. If you will start letting the Word of God speak into your life, you will have light in the midst of darkness. There's something about this that begins to stir me because from the midst of the center of wickedness and idolatry, God raised up a great church to spread the gospel. Corinth is mentioned in the Bible. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Uh, there's something about that wicked city that God said, it's not too wicked for me to move in. I believe that you've got to understand your family ain't too wicked. Uh, your co-workers ain't too wicked. Uh, the people in this community ain't too wicked. God can move in the midst of it all. From the center of wickedness and idolatry, God raised up a great church to spread the gospel. I believe this church right here has been raised up for the purpose of being a light into this dark community. Amen. I believe that while we are stationed in the midst of our Corinth, wherever your Corinth may be and my Corinth may be, we got to realize that it is with great intensity that we understand that God wants to save sinners. All sinners. The Bible says it's not His will that any should perish, but that all. Everybody say all. All. That's everybody, ain't it? That means he wants that person you don't want to talk to. He wants that person that you're mad at. He wants that person that you ain't spoke to in seven years. If the church could ever get full of the Holy Ghost. And we would walk out of this building in the power of the Spirit. We would begin to see what God really wants to do in our families' lives. From the midst of the center of wickedness, I pray the Holy Ghost will open our eyes to the fact that modern day currents abound in our day. Men sit in darkness, having eyes but seeing not, 
draped in the folds of a spiritual blackout, longing for a glimpse of the true light with a capital T and a capital L. Their bragging, their begging souls intensify their unified need. As the agonizing chorus of misery reaches its crescendo, we must realize and recognize the true appeal behind the widespread unrest. It is for the true light that men long and yearn. It is not for another city that will become wicked. It is not for another president in 2024. It is not for the riches and honor and reputation of this world. But what the world is really longing for is a true experience with Jesus Christ. Come on, church. This world ain't worried about how pretty you are. And this world ain't worried about how good you can sing or how good you can play, how good you can preach or how good you look. But this world is longing for Jesus Christ. The only thing that feels that longing is the Holy Ghost. You can talk about, well, if I had this amount of money, I'd be satisfied. Or if I had this house, I wouldn't have to worry. If I had this car, I'd be good. No, you wouldn't be satisfied if you had a roll of bologna under each arm and a loaf of bread in each hand. Because there's only one thing that can satisfy your soul. The only thing that can satisfy your soul is the only thing that can satisfy the sinner's soul. That's the Holy Ghost. When's the last time you spoke in tongues? When's the last time you felt the power of the Holy Ghost stammering lips in another tongue and you began to just lift up the name of Jesus? When's the last time that you shouted, not with just a voice that was loud, but you shouted under the influence of the Holy Ghost? When's the last time you run the aisle? When's the last time that you felt the power of God that made you forget where you were and begin to cry out unto the only God there is? When? You'll have to answer that. But I will tell you this. I believe it's been a long time since some people that call themselves apostolic and Pentecostal have really felt the power of God. Because we become satisfied. We become satisfied with our programs. We become satisfied with church attendance. We become satisfied with participating. We become satisfied as long as we get to do what we want to do. But until we get hungry for the Spirit of the Lord, Till we start saying, you know what? I remember when I first repented. Man, I tell you what, when I first repented, people got the Holy Ghost and they would speak in tongues for 30 minutes. Now you can't get three minutes out of nobody. Because our tongues are too busy all week long talking about our neighbor, talking about the church we attend, talking about other people. I know we're going to shut up now, but I'm going to help you right now because until we get our tongue talking back, until we get the power of the Holy Ghost, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. 
I want you to know it's not going to give you power to know somebody. It's not going to give you power to hang out with a certain group of people. But what's going to give you power is to have the Holy Ghost. Some people ain't got the Holy Ghost. They think they got the Holy Ghost. They ain't got the Holy Ghost. Because there's only one evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not everybody will run. Not everybody will do flip-flops. Not everybody will jump pews. But everybody will speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. If you have not spoken in tongues and you come up to me and say, do I have the Holy Ghost? I'm going to say, have you spoken other tongues when you received the Holy Ghost? You say, no. I say, you do not have the Holy Ghost. It's that simple. People telling people they got the Holy Ghost because their lips quivered. Well, I tell you what, my daddy whipped me so hard one time, my lips quivered. And I didn't have the Holy Ghost. I go. <laughs> I'd been in church, some people would say, bless him, Lord. got to learn what is real I want the real deal in fact I don't want it I got it that's right I spoke in other tongues as the spirit gave the utterance I have spoken in other tongues since then some people think they're, they're like Kentucky basketball one and done Just speaking in other tongues one time and I'm done. I'm good. On my way to heaven. No, you better let the devil know you got the Holy Ghost. You're going through your valley, you better start speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. You face your opposition, you face all sorts of temptation. Instead of giving in, you ought to start saying, Lord, I'm ready right now to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Hallelujah. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this. A light to lighten the Gentiles was to be lit here in the darkest of the darkened. Those who sat in darkness could not help but to get a glimpse of the light. What better place could have been found than in Corinth? From the midst of this center of wickedness and idolatry, God said, I'm going to do something great in the midst of it. Now, everybody knows... Everybody knows that uh, there was a time when Jesus did not do many mighty works in their town, their city, because of their unbelief. That's right. But I guarantee one thing, if you can get one believer in the midst of the darkest, most sinful city, God can do something. Say, boy, I wish we had a big youth service. Well, get me one person full of the Holy Ghost. Get me one person full of the Holy Ghost that's willing to pray and willing to stand and willing to say, I'm going to be a light unto these around me. If somebody said, boy, I sure would like to see a youth service so big that we'd have to take two or three buses to go pick them up. Well, it ain't going to happen us sitting on our hands. It ain't going to happen us sitting in the church. It ain't going to happen us getting all wrapped up in everything but Jesus. 
Ooh. I remember when church was the most important thing in people's lives. When I first got in church, we had Wednesday night. We had Saturday night. We had Sunday morning. We had Sunday night. And if you was involved in youth service, it was on a Friday night. Now we can't get people come one service. Crimp. I want the influence. I want the prestige. I want to be called a church, but I don't want to be the church. Hell shall not prevail against the church. If we go to our Corinth, wherever our Corinth may be, and we realize that with deep desire God wants to save those around us by using us oh he'll use the pastor till this church realizes that 50 people are 50 outreach 50 people teach 50 Bible studies 50 people witness to 50 people 50 people go out and try to help others see their need of a Savior. It's almost like if this church succeeds, it's going to hurt somebody's feelings. I want to hurt feelings. I hope I hurt feelings. I hope people get jealous of the growth of this church. I hope the devil gets a black eye and gets all bent out of shape and everything because this church is having revival. I wish I had a few people in here that wish this church would succeed. On this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16 and 18. What better place, what better place could we find and build a soul-saving station than right here in the suburb of hell itself? <laughs> if people call us that, we might as well say, well, hey, we're going to have some church there anyway. They say, you have to pipe the sunshine in. We don't need sunshine. Where the lamb is the light. People say, well, praise God. It's so curvy. I don't know how. Man, I tell you what. If you just straighten it out, you could get there in just a short period of time. I'm thinking... How much more insults do we have to take as with the stigma of the Hatfield McCoys of East Kentucky before we stand up as a church and say, that ain't us. I got all the light I want. Because Jesus is my light. In fact, the Bible says he is my light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
I believe that we got to understand there's something about this. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It doesn't matter what people say. You live so far in the country that nobody knows where you're at and you don't have no idea of progressive and you don't have no idea of how to have church. I've had people tell me, y'all don't know how to have church in East Kentucky because y'all ain't nothing but a bunch of unlearned hillbillies. But we know how to get the Holy Ghost. I quit letting people insult me of where I'm from. I was born in bloody Harlan, but every time I talk about that, I say, but you know what? That was the beginning of God's preacher getting ready to come through the land of East Kentucky and preach the Word of God. I don't know about you, but we need to quit letting people put us down where we live, how we worship. How we dress. Oh, I wish I had a little help in this house. We've got to start telling these these false religion, deceiving heathens. We're born again. That's right. Oh, preacher, you went to West Virginia and got religion. No, I went to West Virginia and saw drug addicts get religion. I saw people bound by drugs be set free. And we sat and pout for six weeks because somebody defriended us on Facebook. You'll never be anything great for God. I'm going to tell you. If that's all you think about it, I got to be accepted on Facebook and I got I got 6,000 friends and I got to get I got to get I heard somebody say I got to get on TikTok because if I can get on TikTok I can make all sorts of money. So can prostitution. Might as well go that route. Sin sin. Saying TikTok sin. I'm going to tell you one thing. When it's all about you and ain't about Jesus, it's sin. Claps are getting lighter, especially among all the Facebook, TikTok, and social media uh, gurus. But I will tell you this. When it becomes all about you, I got news for you. There's coming a religion in the end time in the book of Revelation. And it says that that whore is going to set herself up. And she's going to draw people in because of her luxury, because of her looks, because of her beauty, because of her gold, and because of her silver. And the next thing you know, people are falling in the trap if you were to read your Bible it's a fascinating book the church is a threat to hell now I'm going to tell you something hell ain't afraid of us if every time something happens we cower We stand, praise God, I'm standing for Jesus and let the world go by. And then the first time somebody says, you go church up there at old apostolic church where they dress holy and think everything's a sin? No. I just attend. Every now and then. I'm going to tell you something. If you ain't all in, you're all out. Look at somebody and say, you better be all in. 
Look at somebody and shout, you better be all in. You better be all in. You better not be halfway in. You better not be one quarter in. You better be all in. Oh, I got to close. The church is a threat to the forces of evil. If the church is not threatening the devil and his kingdom, we got to ask ourselves the question, why ain't it? You remember when there were some people that decided they wanted to cast out demons by the Jesus that Paul and them preach? And them demons kind of just snickered a little bit and jumped on them and ripped them up and tore them up and beat them up and ripped their clothes off and all this and, and they took off running. Because here's what they said before they did all that to them. Well, now, Paul, I know. And Jesus, I know. Who are you? I'd like to ask us a question. Does the devil know your name? I don't want to get the devil mad. Last time I stood up and said, I'm going to get the devil mad. Man, I tell you what, I ended up in divorce, and my dog left me, and my cat died. You ain't got no Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost let you walk into the midst of demonic powers. Pushing back the darkness. No, we just sang about that, Pastor. No, you got to push back the darkness. Hell shall not prevail. The church has to be a threat to the forces of evil. We have got to be on the offense, not the defense. If all we're ever doing is trying to block the punches of the devil, we'll never get anywhere in life. In fact, if you ever watched a boxing match in your life, when the opponent got the other opponent on his heels, that's what they call it, on his heels, he could punch him, push him, and work him into a corner and then lay him out. But if that person who is aggressive is the one that's pushing and the one that is making the other person get on their heels, and I believe we ought to put the devil on his heels. Paul said, I'm not shadow boxing. I'm not as one that beateth the air. Have you ever watched somebody that, that shadow? You know when he lost a lot of his bouts is when he started doing rope-a-dope? I know all y'all never watch boxing in your life. I'm speaking to sanctified people, I know. But I'm just going to tell you something. When Muhammad Ali started laying against the ropes and letting them beat him up, he didn't win very many that way. In fact, he got beat up quite a bit, and he suffered quite a bit. we got to quit letting the devil beat us up. We got to quit letting him do all the punching. Paul said, I'm not as one that beats the air. In other words, I'm not shadow boxing. In fact, I want to make every lick count. 
what better place would it be than to make licks count right here in this community? The devil got your children. Let's, let's knock the devil out. Why not, why not look at the devil and say, get your slimy hands off of my kids? But you don't understand, Pastor. Kids are going to be kids. No, I'm going to tell you something. Kids do what kids are let to do. You need to get your grimy hands off these kids. I don't believe the majority of people in the world are evil. I don't believe everybody's evil. I just believe some people's ignorant and unlearned. I just believe that some people's on the side of the world rather than the side of Jesus. No wonder it's been a hard thing from Joshua's day until now. Whoever's on the Lord's side, come over here. Man, I just wonder if I say, whoever's on the Lord's side, let's come to the altar. I guarantee there'd be some still sitting. You know why? Because if you really believed it took being on the Lord's side to come to this altar, you would not hesitate. But you would think, I don't have to go there to be on the Lord's side. I can be on the Lord's side right here. Well, Joshua could have looked at them and said, you know what? Just stay on that side, but just confess the Lord. You can't stay in some places. You've got to come out of some stuff. You can confess all day in Egypt, but God didn't set up the church in Egypt. I'm going to say it again. God didn't set the church up in Egypt. He's got Goshen. What? Goshen's a good place. Lord, let's just build the church in Goshen. No, you can't stay here. But look, we're surrounded by all this stuff, and we got onions and leeks and garlic, and, 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 and Lord, we can build a big church here. No, you've got to come out of Egypt. That's why you can't serve the Lord in sin. You got to come out of sin. God's not going to bless you in sin. This ain't a best two out of three. This ain't, well, I got the majority of it right. This ain't horseshoes, I was close. This is either you get it right or you're lost. That's why I preach so hard on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. Whenever I go and preach away from church, I preach the same as I do right here because I want people to know that there is a God in heaven that wants them to be saved and there is a, a people of God that is willing to pray you through to the Holy Ghost. If you're weak and if you're overcome and you feel like you're falling away from God, there's a people that are gathered here tonight that will pray you through to the Holy Ghost. There's nothing more rewarding than working for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Nothing more rewarding. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, sound mind. 
I'm not one way today and one way tomorrow. You'll not see me here on Wednesday night preaching hellfire and brimstone and then see me at Myrtle Beach taking pictures of me in my shorts and tank top and physique that just proves I've been to the gym. going to see me the same I don't need to see your made up photos on Facebook of what you'd look like with Jezebel's makeup on I just want to make sure the green light was still on and the mic is still on I don't need to see how you would look as a Jezebel, as a whore. I don't need to see how you would look like the world. I don't need to see how you would look if you had all the favor of all the male population out there. Get it off of Facebook if you want to sing on this platform, play on this platform, be on this platform. Somebody say, sit down, pastor. I don't need to see. I don't need to see that stuff. Nobody needs to see that stuff. We don't need to see all the marks the world put on you when you was in the world. I, I ain't got no tattoos. But I will say this. If I did have some, I sure wouldn't be showing them off after I got saved. If you want to, we'll knock outside. No, we won't knock outside. <laughs> I will tell you this. I'm not proud of my past and I don't have none. And you shouldn't be proud of your past. So therefore, you should cover them up. Unless you got one tattooed across your forehead. And trust me, they're coming. It's already here. I don't know who that singer is. But there's one singer that I had to look to see if he had eyeballs. That's right. What are you saying? Is it biblical? Let me tell you something. The Bible says not to mark your body. The Bible says, Brother Richard stands for it. But the Bible said, but I'd look so cute with a tattoo. A little rose here, a little rabbit here, a little Perry Mason right here. We don't need to see your past sin. We don't need to see how you would look as Jezebel. Jezebel, you know Jezebel. Everybody knows that Jezebel in the Bible painted her face, right? Do we know that? That was almost a hesitation of, I don't know, do we? Do we know that? Is that what the Bible says? She painted her, panted, panted. She made up her face. I felt like Porky Pig there. You ain't worth a knee and knee and knee and five cents. <laughs> she, she painted her face. Don't get me. 
She painted her face and tired her hair. Now, everybody says, what's tiring? Well, I'll tell you what tires are. They're on your vehicle. But that wasn't what she was doing with her hair. She was decking out her hair with all sorts of jewels. All sorts of false God emblems. Look at me. And then she killed prophets. Your brothers. Your ancestors. Your family. You read in Proverbs. They was a simple man. He was just a simple man. Walking down the street. When all of a sudden. Here is this woman dressed as a harlot. Stops him and says, come in. Come into my house. We can make love. The master of the house is gone. We can do all we want to do. Smell my perfume. My pharaoh. You know they sell aftershave that's supposed to have that stuff in it makes women go wild. That's right. And I ain't going to tell you what it is because some of y'all go out and buy it. Some of y'all need to stay away from women right now. <laughs> is this okay? Well, that's, that's 10. The other 40, you're just going to have to endure to the end. Here's what we need to understand. Jezebel painted her face. Jezebel is about makeup, but it's also about a spirit. A spirit that is boastful, pushy. I'll get my way if I have to flatter my eyes, wear my skirts tighter, wear my blouse cut lower. I'm I'm, I'm really pastoring now. Some of y'all need to get your neckline back up and your skirt line back down. Not the other way around. Retirement's coming. (laughs) I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to be saved. I want you to know what it's like to not be mixed with a Corinthian religion, a Corinthian world. When the church was established at Corinth, it wasn't a blend of what was already there. It was the one true religion. If you read the Bible, and I pray you do, The day of church as usual has to end. We can't come on a Wednesday night and barely clap our hands to the Lord. We can't come through those doors and say, well, I'm here to put my time in. We have got to get in contact with the throne. We have got to hear from Jesus. We have got to be led of the Spirit, not just the pastor, not just the deacon, but every person who is in this building has to be led of the Spirit. 
We're living in a day where we have got to come to that conclusion. Church as usual is over. God must become a reality in our everyday walk. When you go to the grocery store, you got to have God. When you go to the post office, you better have God. When you go on the street, you better have God. When you're going to school, you better have God. When you go on the job, amen. We have got to have God and keep on speaking because this dark world needs to know there is light. There, there are some true Christians. Not everybody's fake. Not everybody does something on Sunday and then Monday's a whole different person. Not everybody is, is doing one thing and then uh, behind the backs of everybody else doing something else. Not everybody. There's some true people. And you'll see those people are the ones that God starts exalting and starts using and starts anointing and starts uh, establishing churches with and starts using in the ministry. Those are the ones that God sees and uses. So with that, I want to close. I don't want to be silent. I don't want you to be silent. I want you to speak the Word of God. Stand for the Word of God. Let the heartbeat of God beat in you. Let God be the one that inspires you. Every word you speak. Although we live in the midst of a perverse and wicked generation... God has called us out of darkness in order to do His work. Amen. I want to shine. Ye are the light of the world. Jesus was while He was here. And then He looked at the disciples and said, Now ye are the light. In one place, He simply said, Be careful that the light in you is not darkness. I thought that was kind of a misquote. I thought that might have been a misprint. How can light be darkness? Because he said, whatever fills you, make sure it is light and not darkness. Because whatever makes you shine, if it's darkness and sin that makes you shine, the darkness and sin is going to be drawn to you. Have you ever noticed how spirits draw? Anybody ever noticed that besides me? You can go to a town that you've never been before and you can find kindred spirits. You meet somebody on the street and all of a sudden you're drawn to them. Right? We're not battling flesh and blood. We're battling principalities and powers. Spiritual wickedness in high places. We come to church and put our little patty cake in for Jesus when the heavenlies is fighting a battle over top of us. And if we're not careful, we'll be so wrapped up in everything 
around us that will fail to see the battle going on before us. I want to close with that one thing. Let's stand. Singers, musicians, and everybody else that wants to pray can make